0: Welcome to the third official episode of Fix. This is Jessica Danielle, your host. Today, it is just me, and I'm delivering a message specifically to those in active addiction and those that are struggling still, as well as to anyone in early recovery. It's a message that you need to hear. I'll give you tips and tricks, but I also understand that there is no one size fits all when it ter- comes to recovery. So hang with me. Let's bring some hope to those that need it and stick around for this episode. Okay, guys, so I'm going to dive right into this. Um, First and foremost, if you are still battling an addiction, there is hope, okay? Um, You may feel hopeless and helpless and... Not even believe that it's possible to get your life back. Um, But I am here today to tell you that you can. And if you want it bad enough, you really, really can do it. Um, There are so many people in the recovery field and others that have been through it. There's, I mean, you have a huge community and we're so lucky with social media and whatnot that you can connect with people that really genuinely care and want to help anyone struggling i am one of those people i have tons of friends that you know also are in that category if you need help feel free please reach out to any of us um and let us know and we will do our best to help you in any way that we can okay that's first um Second is to everyone in early recovery. So one thing in my, with my personal experience, I guess I just like thought that getting sober was going to be the, the hard part, right? Like it sucks and withdrawing sucks. It's shitty and it's terrible. Ew. Um, but once you get through that, <laughs> you, I kind of like, I guess I was just, I don't know. My brain was like a fried egg. I don't know. I really thought that I was going to be riding down easy street for like, you know, thought after I got clean, cool. Easy street. This will be easy. I can go back to life easily. Okay. Getting sober does not mean life gets easier. Okay. I'm going to say it again. Getting sober does not mean that life gets easier. Okay. Now, with that being said, what I want you to know is that by getting sober, you are now equipped or better equipped to handle the problems and trials that will come before you. Okay. That's, if you were high, you would not be able to handle, like think about trying to go through probation, still using, right? So many people do it. It's a story for everyone. It was a story for me. You know, always like worrying about UAs and like I used to get hair follicled. Oh my god, it was it was literally impossible to do probation while still using. Okay, let's go to the other side of things, right? Say that you get sober. Okay, in my experience, I had to do a cleanup t a cleanup tour, I call it, because I had multiple states, multiple felonies. Um, and it that was awful, okay. Um, but let me tell you how easy it is to get through probation when you're doing the right thing. It is so much easier. Now, do they make things hard? Yes. Like if you don't have a car, you know, getting places, getting to all these meetings and things that you have to be to. Yes, that's hard. I used to walk, um, literally miles with my baby to the drug patch place. Luckily it was close enough for walking distance because I didn't have a car yet, but I did it. Never missed. I would have taken a bus. I would have done whatever I had to do to get there. And you can too. So don't let some trial that comes before you make you go back to using. Because I promise it's only going to create more problems for you. Now, this may all seem like, oh yeah, duh. But really though, you're going to be hit with things When you first get sober and you're finally going to have to face these things with real emotions, not, you know, emotions hidden behind, you know, heroin or fentanyl or whatever substance it is, you have to feel these things and that's okay. It's okay to feel that. I was like a total nut job, um, in my opinion for almost like, I really didn't feel like myself again for, it took me two years. And I know they say that. They're like, oh, yeah, it takes your brain two years. It really did in my case. That that was my experience. Um, I felt like my brain wasn't connecting with my mouth. I felt like, like I would not be able to properly speak. It, it really bothered me because I've always been pretty um, like vocab-oriented. And I had good terminology, good words, good vocabulary growing up. Um, and I could not think of words while I was talking and it it was really weird but it was like my brain wasn't connecting and it used to really bother me and it used to give me massive social anxiety massive anxiety because I thought everyone I just felt like everyone knew that I was uncomfortable in my own skin and I felt like everyone was looking at me all the time and I don't really looking back I'm like they probably had no idea and it was my mind making it so much worse but I just want you to know that you're, if you are sober, you are more equipped to handle the stresses that life throws at you. Okay? End of story. Probation. Do you know how e- I got off a year and a half early from probation? The courts, because I like was doing so well, literally... Like when they saw, you know, when I was walking the walk, right, I had all my paperwork, my documentation, this, that, the other, never failed a drug test, never missed a meeting, never, never did anything wrong. So when it came down to it and I got to apply to get off early or when a court in a different state had the option to terminate my probation and let it go, they all granted it. And yes, granted, it took time. Um, I'm almost four years sober and it, and I got off of probation last December so, I mean, it it took time, but you can do it if you're sober, okay? So don't, do not give up. Don't let one hurdle stop you. I promise you, if you can just get over that one hurdle, whatever it is, you can keep going. And then every day gets a little bit easier. Every day you're going to feel more like yourself than you did the day before. I promise, I promise, I promise. I've been there and I've done it. My husband has. I know a ton of people that I have, but you have to be willing to feel the uncomfortable things that we all, you know, hid behind with pills or our addiction previously. Okay, guys, so I'm gonna give you a few examples of some of the trials that I faced immediately upon getting sober, okay? Um, For one, my family had written me off I really did have to walk the walk for a while. Like I had to go to rehab, um, complete it. I think it was like six months maybe before they, I finally saw them, um, six months after rehab. So I, And I was in California. I was away from my family. My husband's family, they waited a little bit to speak with us as well. Um, we were really alone in a new place. Now, I do believe um, that people, places, and things are huge, huge, Um, changing those things is a huge help to anyone in early recovery. I don't think it's helpful to go back to where you were using. If you have that opportunity, you should take it. Okay. to stay somewhere else for a little bit, um, somewhere that, you know, is new and you've never used, but anyways, in my life, yes, that helped me stay sober, but I was also very alone. I was a new mom. Um, I had, A heart surgery when I found out I was pregnant and then five days after giving birth, they told me I had to have another one, um, a redo. So I had to do that again. I'd been sober at that point, you know, for like, what, six months or so, something like that. And now they're like telling me, hey, you've got to do this again. So, of course, that meant pain meds. And that was kind of like the ultimate test for me was how am I going to handle the pain med situation with the heart surgery because I've been sober, like I didn't want them, but it's they're you know, I mean, they literally cut my chest open like 12 inches. So, um, but I handled it fine, and it was crazy. I think that was like my ultimate test, and I had prayed so hard along the way for God to take away my desire to use, and I like begged him that was all I wanted, and I promise you, he answered those prayers. I took the minimal amount of pain meds while I was at the hospital. Didn't have any issues, okay, the second time. Um, I actually, this year, had my third open-heart surgery. Um, Again, same thing, minimal pain med usage. Didn't go home with any, didn't have an issue with it, right? Um, Now, I do have massive, like, medical PTSD anxiety from my health, but I think that's, like, to be expected um, in my situation, Now, I also had legal issues um, that I had to clean up. That was probably the most daunting part along with the health stuff. And keep in mind, during all this, I'm like a mom. I've never been a mom before. I have no idea what I'm doing. Luckily, I had like my friend Selena and my friend Dana and, you know, my friend Rachel. And they like literally like swept me up and helped me and taught me and hung out with me and, you know, that was great. So if it wasn't for them, I don't know. But anyways, um, you know, I had a bad background check. So when I was like, my husband actually, we didn't have a car yet. So he started managing a vape shop that was like walkable distance to our house, which also so happened to be right by the drug patch place. So, um, you know, he earned money from that. We were able to get a car eventually, get an apartment, Um, and, like, we really, like, built from the ground up. It was all very uncomfortable. (laughs) It was all terrible um, in a lot of ways, but at the same time, it was also really amazing because I was so proud of us for doing something that I thought we weren't capable of. Like there was a point in time where I literally had no idea how our story was going to end, but I was pretty sure it was going to end up with both with both of us. I was more thinking along the lines of, "Oh my god, we're going to go to prison for like a really long time. That's what's going to happen to us. Like we're going to go to prison and um, or die." You know, um, he had overdosed a few times, and I had Narcan luckily, or I had to call nine one one. But I was pretty much positive. At a certain point in time that we were going to die or be in prison and that's how our life was going to go um and so you know when we did get sober and even through all of like the crap that got thrown at us like one thing after another I mean I'm telling you like it was nonstop crap every time I turned around there was something else that was coming from my past and my usage and whatever and it was like Oh god, I felt like I weighed a thousand pounds and I was just like dying in stress. And um I'm like looking at this list that I have and you know what? Every single one of those issues has been resolved. Every single one. Um we have great relationships both of us with both of our families. Um like we're so blessed in that aspect, right? Uh, We did move back to Texas. Our legal stuff is cleaned up. We, you know, my heart, I think, is finally, like, finally in good shape. Um, I mean, my son is healthy, perfect, the happiest, most spoiled child on the planet, right? And so I think that, you know, you have to be honest with yourself about what you're going to face. And you just have to know that whatever you do, the response to those things that get thrown at you is if you get high, it's going to make it harder. I promise it's going to make it so much harder and you've already come so far. Right. But if you're sober and in early recovery, keep moving forward, no matter what. Okay. No matter what. And I'm going to have people on here. Um, that, like, for instance, um, I know some of the guests that are coming on. I'm going to have, um, Dr. Elizabeth Zona. She is an addiction doctor and a, an anest- <laughs> anesthesiologist. Um, and she goes by Addiction Talk Doc on TikTok. I'm going to have Pej the Interventionist. Um, I'm hoping yet get Sam Davis, Matt Keegan, um, Mel and Ken Bowers who lost their son to fentanyl. Um, there's some other moms that, I've, you know, grown close with that have lost their kids to fentanyl and I'm going to have them tell their stories and I'm going to have other people give advice and just, you know, it doesn't matter if you're on, um, Matt or if you choose to go, you know, completely abstinent or if you're doing 12 steps or faith-based, I don't care. Um, I was never really one that was big into meetings to be completely hundred percent with you. I did them when I had to do my legal stuff but I wasn't huge into them. Um, that leads back to days with my mom. Um, but I always told myself this: if I learn one thing from one person in a meeting, or if I hear one story that resonates with me, and or if I see someone and I know, like, oh my God, that person did it. Oh shoot! Like I can too. Like so, even if you know you're not a meeting person, but you have to go for something. Try to take one thing that one person says from every meeting. If you can get one little thing from every meeting, that's my best advice. Okay. Listen, learn from these people. If you, I used to look at meetings and see people that have been sober. Now, about the time, you know, like three years, two, a year, two years, three years. I mean, there was, I couldn't even stay sober for like 12 hours. So, I mean, to me, that was like so incredible. And here I sit almost four years later and I'm one of those people, right? And so um, it can be done. It really, really can. And I guess that's my message. Like, I want you to feel the hope. Um, I want your families, like, you know, our families chose to uh, not speak with us during our addiction. And, And honestly, I agree with that. And I don't, I feel no ill will towards them because of it. I have siblings. I have other people that needed protection from my addiction. I'm actually really glad that they didn't see and witness a lot of it. Um, but if you're a family member of someone that's in active addiction, just know that there's hope and know that there's no such thing as a lost cause. Um, it's just, you got to let them experience whatever it is they're experiencing. And then hopefully something clicks. Now I know that fentanyl is also changing the game because it makes things a lot scarier right um you never really know what you're getting a lot of young kids experimenting or dying uh addicts are now actively seeking out fentanyl because there's not really heroin anymore it's all fentanyl um so i know it it's changed the game a bit and now you're probably more concerned about them dying than you know them just being on the street and whatnot um I'm gonna do an episode um I actually will probably talk to Pej or Sam Davis would be a great one um about you know what he thinks the best route is for families um I know they they both do interventions and I've talked to both with, both of them and heard both of them talking and, and I actually agree that families really do need to protect themselves yet I want the response to be That if anyone in active addiction goes to their family member really genuinely wanting help, that the family member will help them at that time. Now, it would be like, don't come to me until you're ready. But when you're ready, the door is always open for me to take you to treatment or for you to get help. Okay? That would be my message in that stance. Um, Now... As you go along in your recovery journey, the other thing that I have learned is I really had to relearn myself. Okay? What does that mean? Well, I didn't even know what clothes I liked to wear anymore. I didn't know what size I was. Um I didn't know like I missed like TV shows and movies and I didn't know like hobbies that I wanted to do or what I wanted to do for work. I ended up working at the treatment center that I went through and that kind of like sparked my, you know, love for helping others and recovery and and whatnot. So I kind of had to develop new hobbies, new paths new like motherhood you know I really got into like being a mom and that was like my main priority like being a good mom and trying to figure that out but I didn't know what I was doing so it was like funny because I had no idea like I had no idea I mean my kid to this day like he sleeps in between me and my husband I don't know if that's a good thing a bad thing whatever but we love it we are just like he saved us you know and um and so we're just so like obsessed with him but You have to find something that you love a little bit more than you love getting high. And it's hard. Like, I mean, I don't know, for my husband, like he he ended up with a great job, right? We live in Texas now, he has a great job. He's amazing at it and he kills it. And he loves it. And it makes him, like, it gives him purpose, okay? That's like, he loves competition and, you know, so do I. But he loves competition and being number one and feeling good in that job gives him a lot of that, right? Right? Um, he loves his family. Um, I love my, I have dogs, okay? Um, I like to do like, I don't know, I found tree stumps on the side of the road and I turned them into side tables. Like I like took off the bark, you know, dried out the wood, sanded it, uh, stained them. Like, I mean, I don't know, just different things, but I I had literally forgotten who I was and what I enjoyed. And so you do have to kind of re- learn those things and it doesn't necessarily come naturally you kind of have to seek things out right like go just try something and see if it makes you happy go if you like water like go find something with water and go see if you enjoy going to the pool or going to the lake or whatever you have in front of you if you want to you know refinish furniture if you want to i don't know whatever it is go seek something out give it a shot and then if you don't like it, move on, give something else a shot. But I promise you'll get happiness somewhere. You will find it with something other than drugs. Then you're gonna be like, oh crap, this is what it feels like to feel good about something else. And it and it does happen. Like, there is a lot of things that I really like to do. There's actually so many things that I really like to do now. I'm terrible at just picking one. Um, but it it takes a long time, guys, and like and you know you see all these people on social media, and they look so happy. And just remember that yes, like while we're filming things on social media, I mean, throughout my heart surgery this year, you if you followed me on Operation Opiate on my TikTok page, then you would know I really did show you like the moment that I found out I was getting the third one. I had like a total breakdown. Um, the next day, I kind of vlogged my hospital stay, which ended up being like for months and months. Um, it was terrible. And so you saw a real rawness with that, but a lot, but other than that, I normally post like pretty positive things. And just remember that even though those those people are posting positive things, we all have moments behind the camera, right? And so if you're having a moment and you're totally not alone, everyone has them. You are not alone. So don't feel alone. And again, if you need help, reach out. Okay, guys. So I'm gonna leave you with one final, one final lesson. Okay, and this one's a big one. Okay, but the lesson is this: as you go through getting sober, as you go through recovery, whatever your recovery looks like, whether it's working the 12 steps, different programs, treatment, but you work on yourself. Hopefully, hopefully you're self-evaluating. You're trying to fix, you know, the flaws that kind of created your desire for addiction in the first place. You're looking internally, right, as you go through recovery. Okay, working on yourself. Well, you need to remember this. Just because you got sober and worked on yourself does not mean that everyone else around you did the same thing. Okay, I'm going to say that one more time. Just because you got sober and worked on yourself does not mean that everyone, around, everyone else around you did the same thing, okay? Let me give an example. So, I'm, I'll use my dad, okay? I'm not going to say, I love my dad to death, but he's, you know, very stuck in his ways. He is how he is. And um, he's very proud of me, for sure, but, like, he, my dad has a tendency, he was in the military, he has a tendency to, like, get really, like, mad. And whereas I used to, like, really, really respond when he would say something, um, I have just kind of learned that if I can take a breath, not respond to it, that's just how he is, okay? He didn't, he's not trying to fix it. That's how he is. We all know it. All my, we know how he is. But if I can accept that, then things will be better, right? Like you can't expect that everyone's just going to forgive you and forget your past. You have to walk the walk and not just talk the talk. Um, and then remember that not everyone else like changed. Even if you felt maybe like someone wronged you or, you know, whatever, and they didn't apologize to you, you got to let it go. You just have to let it go. You do your amends and you do those for yourself and hopefully it helps the person that you're making amends with and hopefully they see the change in you. But if they don't apologize for any sort of behavior that maybe you felt they should, who cares? It doesn't matter. The past is the past. We can't go back. God put two eyes in the front of our head so that we can look forward and not backwards, okay? So with that being said, Just remember that just because, you know, you have changed, you can't expect it from everyone else, but you can, you can choose how to respond to different situations and you can respond differently. And there is nothing that shows more growth than your emotional responses, in my opinion. Um, And, you know, where maybe you used to run and drugs were your way of coping, um, or if you would scream back or if you would punch walls or whatever it is, if you can show changes in your response and the way that you handle situations, people will like start to notice and you don't need to talk about it. People just should notice. You don't need to apologize over and over and over again. That was something that I kind of did for a long time. I've told myself now that if, I've apologized to the people that need apologies. They know that I'm genuine about it. They should know at this point. Um, I'm making it my mission to not apologize for my past anymore because it's not, it doesn't, my, my past is the past. If I Trust me, I, there's certain things I would change. If I hurt anyone, of course, I would go back and change it. But then again, everything that I did led me to where I am right at this exact moment in time. And I believe that I'm a better person than I was years ago years ago I was such a selfish bitchy person prior to my addiction I do not feel that I am selfish and bitchy I would not use those I mean okay maybe a little bit bitchy sometimes but I mean I would not really use those adjectives to describe me today um if anything I'm definitely more on the selfless side the giving side the helping side I never would have thought that I would have been like that and had I not gone through what I went through, I don't think I would be who I am today. And today I can stand and look in the mirror and feel good about that. And that's what I want you guys to know. There is hope, there's no such thing as a lost cause. And I hope that today, at least you got a couple of like tips, or you know that, you know, if like I felt like I was going through mountains, like peaks, valleys, peaks, valleys, like up, down, up, down. And you know what? There's, I know life's not going to like, it's still going to happen. There's going to be something else. Like there always is, but I can handle it and I can handle it sober. And so can you. So that's my message today, guys. And thank you so much for hanging with me on the third episode of Fixed. Um, due to the holidays and stuff, I don't know exactly who's going to be on when. Um, it'll probably be Pej up next or maybe, um, Melody Bowers, um, both are amazing. Oh, even um, I know Elizabeth, Dr. Elizabeth Zona. Um, she'll be on in November, hopefully sometime. So I have really good guests coming up. You're not going to want to miss them. I'm trying to figure out how to get this podcast onto other things than Spotify. So I really want that set up before I have these like amazing guests on. But keep listening. And please, even if you took one tiny thing from this, I hope it gave you some hope and strength and you know, please reach out, uh, under TikTok. I go by operation opiate. That's my Instagram page as well. And I will put that in the description. I know in the last episode, Dana put her cell phone number. So that's in the description. I can hook you up with lots of people who are willing to help. So please ask for help if you need it. Okay. There's lots of help. Do not feel ashamed. Do not feel stigmatized. I know it's the loneliest place to be. You are not alone and we will help you. So thank you guys so much. And thank you for listening to Fixed.